Word to the wise, we are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes and whatnot. This month, we're talking about Brandon Sanderson's The Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. I'm not sure that there's going to be any adult content, but probably some swearing. So wisdom might be to not read this book as well. So that's, (laughs) yeah. All right. I also (laughs) would like to say that if we ever say the title of this book again, I will get most of it wrong. Because I keep we, saying God instead of handbook, before. and I keep mm-hmm. saying England instead of, or I keep saying Europe instead of England, or England instead of, I don't even know at this point what the fuck is yeah. the title. Because I think it'd be one thing if I had the physical book with me, and I like saw it all the time when I was reading it, but I just have mm-hmm. the audiobook because the, the boxes haven't been shipped yet, obviously, so. Yeah. Are we completely foregoing any kind of traditional intro on this yeah. too? God damn it. My chaos, my brain, my brain. Okay, so at the very least, what I do want to say is, hi, hey, welcome to Words and Whiskey Short Pours. We're this monthly podcast where we talk about books mostly. You know us, we booze a little bit before we diverge into absolute rambly nonsense. Obviously, we're talking about the Frugal, the Saving Wizards Guide book of Secret Project 2. <laughs> <laughs> which is just a much easier title and honestly it was better when it was a mystery and i didn't know what it was yet so i prefer to call it something else maybe <laughs> yeah we're, we'll def- we're gonna we're gonna talk about the book but before we go too much further, let's, do you want to talk about batman <laughs> <laughs> i almost watched batman last night in my bed i did phone. watch the batman last <laughs> night until three in the morning and then i woke up at seven and finished this book <laughs> good so little sleep, but mm-hmm. we're I'm, I'm a functioning human. Yeah. No. Well, we'll get we'll get to that joke in a bit. Do you want to talk about what you're drinking? What cocktail did I you make? I made a new cocktail because we found some tart cherry juice, like pure, not mm. concentrate tart cherry juice in our cupboard, and nice. I wanted to do something with it. So I made a tart cherry margarita. So ounce and a half of tart cherry juice, quarter ounce of lime juice ounce and a half of mezcal and a half ounce of triple sec plus a half ounce of simple syrup all shaken served with a lime wedge it is delicious it's really really good i was like i I had no idea what to expect i considered doing grenadine instead of the simple because i didn't make my own grenadine this time we just had some that kaylin had picked up before i got here and that's made with cherry juice in addition to the pomegranate I'm like, that could be complimentary, but I'm glad I didn't because I think it would have been too, like, artificially fruity. And this just is a nice balance. So I'm happy with it. Nice. Nice. I, we didn't plan this, but I made a grenadine margarita. (laughs) And so that is so shocking but basically the same thing but with grenadine as you mentioned it might be a little too like the difference in the tart i yeah i think you i think yours sounds better than mine is but it's still good i Mm -hmm. i added just also a dash of campari because it wasn't quite bitter i think the limes weren't perfect so i just wanted like a little bit more of a bitter note in there so i basically used it like bitters traditionally and yeah nice Uh, i one one thing to mention because I forgot to. I did mezcal out of necessity. I didn't have tequila. And I think <laughs> it would have been a mistake to use tequila because I think the smokiness really, really, really kind of binds it together and makes it not just yeah. like a super sweet forward drink. 
Mine is a smoked tequila. Okay. So mine is not mezcal, but it's a smoked tequila. So gotcha. It's interesting that we're also we're also similar in that vein. <laughs> doing doing weird shit out of necessity. I did I did have Terramana that I could have used, but I'm actually saving that for tomorrow's recording for Greenbone. So gotcha. That was my plan. Nice. But okay, so I, we'll read the summary real quick and then we'll talk like overall and then we'll kind of try to go through things. This I, I'm going to be honest, folks, this is going to be a really weird episode. I didn't write an outline. I didn't do any pre-work. I didn't think we were going to even get to the point of recording this. I almost didn't finish the book showing up, which is a rare, rare kind of thing in occasion. Yeah. So you Batman. Because, and I think it's worth descri- like explaining that joke or why why you brought yeah. that up last night you were on chapter 30 out of 37 mm-hmm. and for you it was like midnight i think yep probably about that time and yeah 12 for some <laughs> reason i feel like it was twelve forty-five specifically and i was like i am fucking done and yeah you just didn't want to finish it i'm like i want to watch the batman instead I'm like do it we'll <laughs> just talk about the batman instead of the last part of the book but you did finish and i think it's worth it I think I did both, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I finished the book and I watched Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the last six chapters or seven chapters, it introduces some additional frustrations to the story, but it also resolves some things that were problematic. Uh, it mets out a good in the end. It's a good story. Before we go too far, I do want to read the the summary for anyone yeah. who might just be hopping in to like listen to this, because I know this has been a weird one where people have been honestly online listening to more reviews than actually reading the content, which is its own kind of odd thing. But a man awakes in a clearing in what appears to be medieval England with no memory of who he is, where he came from, or why he is there. Chased by a group from his own time, his sole hope for survival lies in regaining his missing memories, making allies among the locals, and perhaps even trusting in their superstitious boat. His only help from the real world should have been the guidebook entitled The Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England, except his copy exploded during transit. The few fragments he managed to save provide clues to his situation, but can he figure them out in order to survive? Da-da-da! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, overall, how'd you feel about the book? I think it has... I think it's very close to a really good story. But I think yes. there are just, it feels a little underbaked and a little unfocused. So mm-hmm. I don't think I would have continued reading it if we weren't doing this recording. I can factually tell you that I would have quit <laughs> much <laughs> earlier as I tried to twice and put off this recording twice over the course of this month <laughs> because I just couldn't get into it. So, yeah. I, I feel that what's funny about that is, is that I think that it's still like a six and a, or a six and a half in, in terms of rating. Like, it's not as bad as it kind of sounds like we're talking about it. Right. And like you said, it's so close to being a really good book. But there are every time it like takes two steps up, it's like four steps backwards. And I'm like, no, you had so much of the right premise and idea. And then like you, you introduce something that was really cool and interesting. And then you. Why is the dead girlfriend back in the scene all of a sudden randomly for no reason and didn't need to be there at all? What? There are just a lot of those moments. I like it would have been so allowing Ryan and Johnny to kind of bond over the loss of Jen could have been a nice resolution. Is it Jen or Jan? 
Jan I, I don't or Jen. Even, I don't, I don't, I listen to it at two well, X. I, I listen yeah. to it at two X speed. So it kind of sounds the same either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Je. Mm-hmm. I'm just calling her Je from sure. now on. Yeah. Je, je, the J, J name. Like it, there's just a lot thrown at it. And did you listen to the postscript like after the epilogue where he talks about how he kind of. Yeah. I listened to it all. Yeah. Okay. I got it all. You got it all. He gave the he gave the book the entire transcript to a few different people and let them just do whatever they wanted to it is kind of what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't it, it made for a really uncohesive, like not I don't know. There there's just a lot of hanging threads and a lot of randomly introduced plot points that just didn't pan out, I guess. Yeah, so I, I totally get what you're saying. For me, the way that I viewed that in in my understanding of it is that like Steve Argyle was allowed to run amok with the art and, and nothing else there. But the, God, what's his name? The guy who wrote Origins of Wheel of Time, that was the recently published book. It'll come to me. I'm actually going to Google it. But he is a professor of medieval history. And so he went through and did corrections. I I think, I think the biggest thing, Michael Livingston is his name. The biggest problem for me with the story, I think actually comes down to something that with all of the different op-eds that have came out has become more and more clear with, with Sanderson stuff. And that is that he's very editor dependent. He actually really doesn't like rewriting his prose that much. And so he, as such, he's very editor dependent. And these secret projects were, I mean, obviously edited and redrafted and, and components like that, but not as much as like, I'm sure Lost Metal was by comparison, you yeah. know what I mean? And not to the same degree. And also it's not in the Cosmere, so it doesn't have like a backlog wiki that he can lean on if he needs to like remember, you know, a rule or a point of origin or, you know, I don't know. It just as as the first non- Outside of short stories and novellas, as the first non-Cosmere book I had read from Sanderson, I was pretty disappointed. And Wheel of Time, I guess. But mm-hmm. again, though, not that bad. Like, it's, it's so close to a good book. I could One of my kind of tell co- that yeah. he seemed to be in his, like, writing for young adults kind of mindset through a lot of this. I don't know for sure. But it, it felt, I don't know about that. It just didn't He's feel like, as the, serious or as grounded. The characters, the characters, uh, a little too violent for that. Like yeah, naturally, that's fair. In, like leaned that direction. So I, I didn't, I didn't feel that. So like you're saying, not as grounded, not as serious, and like it's okay to obviously have whimsy in a book. But he didn't lean into it hard enough either. We're, we're recording this one live with Discord patrons for those of you who are listening to this later. And one of the notes that came in that I totally agree with is in regards to the the guidebook, right? And it's very clear that this takes a lot of inspiration from Terry Pratchett and from Douglas Adams, specifically the Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. And it, the book at times is funny and at times is awful and makes the story infinitely worse. It never leans into the absurdity in the same way that Douglas Adams does to like make anything like actually pop. There, there was a moment that I recall when... 
when I was going through, I was on a walk and I was texting you about the story about the banana, right? Like, why can't I have a dimension with with talking bananas? And the the answer is just no. And it's like, okay, that's really close to a good joke. I like it. That's fine. And then I was, but I was like, I can see how you could punch this up and like make that joke funnier. Okay, cool. Read a couple more chapters. And then I get to the one where he explains why you can't have a multiverse of talking bananas. And I was like, no, 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 no. Explaining why is not the thing you want to do. You want to lean in and say like, you, you want to lean into that joke and make it funny. Not explain to me why it's not actually possible. I don't care about the actual physical mechanics in that way of this thing. I, I care about the wonder and whimsy of like what this book is selling. Right. Cause this mm-hmm. book is, it's trying to sell something and it, and a lot of, a lot of sales and especially bad sales and like the sales that this is leaning into is like fluff it up. It just, Oh God, that, that example in particular was brutal for me to read. So one thing I did like that got introduced pretty late in the guidebooks, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked the introduction of it and I wish it could have been a little bit more fleshed out. Ultimately, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it gave a really good glimpse into this sort of cyberpunk future that we're talking about talking about the morality of like living in this world and Mm -hmm. the explanation of like there's a consensus that modern ethics can't apply and you might take it as this but we're taking it as nothing matters so like they're, they're they're trying to twist the morality angle and cash in on sort of the worst the worst patrons of Westworld mm-hmm. is kind yeah. of their their market and like just starting and- to see that sort of dystopian part of things get weaved in through this book was was pretty cool but that's like one yep. one entry <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's especially to me that entry is really interesting because it is directly just juxtaposed against the did I do a colonialism yep. bit, which is like it, which is like the opposite ideology, right? Which is like, oh, no, no, no. We have like safe worlds and other stuff like that. But if you want to be bad, you can go to these <laughs> worlds and be like, it's totally like leaning into like both sides of the metaphor, which I, re- I did enjoy that aspect. I think mm-hmm. that was good. But Again, I think because the book wasn't consistent in tone throughout and didn't like lean into the absurdity, it just didn't work for me as as a vehicle nearly as well as I think it could have, which I think is my issue with a lot of this book is it's like, like you said, right at the top, this is so close to being a good book, but it's just not. It's a great, it's a great framework. You and I talked about the memory loss sort of trope. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it inherently. Like, there are good stories with it. Like, Memento, you and I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I really love Memento. There's just... It's the... Everything clicking into place, and then suddenly, halfway through the book, he has everything. But also, the inconsistency of, like... And maybe maybe it's a commentary of how, like, humanity has grown up. Like... For his entire life, Google has been a thing. So he doesn't mention it when he's like inherently thinking about Googling Ooh, things. But then need to get immediately there. Yep. afterwards thinks about nanites and he's like, what the fuck am I talking about? And but doesn't mention like the other technological things because maybe it's built into humanity now and it's just like inherently known. And like that doesn't strike as 
because there, there are obviously things that he knows inherently and is able to. It's just part of nature at this point in his life. Yeah. Whereas nanites were learned and then close to inherent, but not quite. And I don't know. There's just there's some inconsistencies in that. And it was. It was fun. Like it was fun, but it was also kind of mushy and soft. And that's not something I think is Branderson's strong suit. You know? Yeah. Well, the other side of like mushy and soft is that he also gave us hard rules for the nanites, right? And like kind of, I think, okay. I also ha- just have like an innate issue with, I'm going to try to stick on, on theme here. With the way that information was revealed from the white box or the white room of the story, right? This idea of like the amnesiac waking up and, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of of the Bourne movies. I've never read the Robert Ludlum Bourne Identity book, but, you know, I've just never been my thing. But like you said, love Memento and, and sometimes it can work. The problem is almost unfortunately remedied by the end of the book given that once we actually do get all of these different pieces we see that he was a piece of shit and so it almost it almost works in the very end for me the problem is is that i hated him throughout most of the book because of the way that like he was portrayed and the character was being built until i could kind of see where the actual trajectory of change was going and that didn't happen until the last i mean at the very least it was within the last seven chapters but like yeah yeah the last the last few where it's revealed his like the boxing so cool boxing is very cool yeah (laughs) the fighting is really cool um the throw of the fight was excellent and like even that description and like getting the flashes of the past and you know there there were lots of moments that worked but the nanites also just didn't work for me as a concept it's like oh that's just such an easy get out of jail free card for you know I don't know. I I did like the drawbacks of it, like in yeah. the in the epilogue, or maybe it's the last chapter. I can't remember what exactly when when he's he feel, embracing Sephelin like, mm-hmm. and like feeling body heat for the first time in a while because like yeah. he had the nanites just control everything from body temperature to health in general. So I liked that. Like. <laughs> I I, mm-hmm. I really I I like some of the aspects of it, and I don't know. I I'm worried that our complaints about it are verging too much on nitpick, which is fine. But it's also for me, it's like, concepts though. That's it's it's. Yeah. I don't think them. I at the very least, my complaints I don't think are nitpicky. I think it's concept. Like I have I have conceptual issues with this idea and not leaning into the absurd. Personally, mm-hmm. like. I know that you haven't read any Pratchett, but you have read Adams yep. a long time ago, back in back in high school or junior mm-hmm. high school. I can't remember which, but Both, I think, yeah, and and that's where I think that's where the story falls apart is that it does try to take itself so seriously that it it misses out on the point of like what was fun about this sort the fun of this type of story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just. I don't I don't think it worked. 3.7 stars on Goodread right now. That makes sense. Like that's right in line with my my feelings about it on the whole. You Is know, that like, out of like five said, or out of ten? Six out of five. Okay. Yeah. Because it's definitely like a three for me. 
3.87 still. I stand I stand by my side of it. I'm going to go sign up for a Goodreads account and drop the rating actively by <laughs> that's leaving high, my that's just high kidding. I wouldn't do that. A 3.8 is I high. Don't, I don't mean, I don't know like what 3.8 is high. Like mm. I'd give it a 5. 4.6 four, 4.7 four, is incredible. You'd give it a 5 yourself? Yeah, but like like I said, I don't know how ratings work on Goodreads. Like uh, it's an it, aggregate. If it's like untapped 3 Three five, three eight, pretty average. Um, mm-hmm. But almost everything has that rating. That's the thing is, the rating is. Most people won't read books that are under four. For the record, that's just like a, gotcha. a thing. Okay, because that generally implies that like it's definitely to someone's specific taste, or like you know, it might be good for some people. Which is also where I think. Like my line that we've talked about a little bit before, I don't give out sevens or very rarely I give out fewer sevens than I do tens. And so like six is this would be good for a specific audience, but I wouldn't universally recommend it. And eight is like, I'm pretty sure I could tell pretty much anyone to read this and they'd have a good time. Right. At the very least. So seven just kind of means nothing. Seven just means nothing to me. I I think it's kind of worthless, which is why I try not to give them out. Occasionally it happens, but more rare than a 10, I think, at least in my book. Yeah. But after your explanation of that, I've kind of adopted it, too, because it makes a lot of sense. It's like make a decision. Seven. (laughs) Right. It it just means you haven't decided whether or not you like it is is Mm -hmm. anytime I want to rate something seven out of 10. It makes me think about whether or not I actually enjoyed it. And that's the goal of the rule for the record is like really get yourself to like spin on it a little bit more. What would it nudge it up? What it would have nudged it down? Sometimes sometimes things do land at seven out of ten. Yeah. But I just you, think it's too easy. It's too easy to, to just like get there. default to seven. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, this is a hard book to talk about, as previously mentioned, <laughs> because there's so much there's so much stuff. Where where to where to what do you think of the begin? whites? I was fine with whites. I, especially later, the the reveal uh, that comes in with uh, what's her name, the old lady being a god, I think was excellent. And like kind of the idea of like she was the was a white. Was that what was that her name? Folk? Fock? Oh, fuck. What? what who is literally? Aileen? I think it's Fock. There was Sephawin, which is like the. the Aylwin. Wasn't she the Aylwin. wife? Yeah. That she was. Know. What's his name's wife? Um, there are there are a lot of names and they all kind of again don't have any notes away. don't don't have them in front of me <laughs> not gonna look it up <laughs> look at the chat we're gonna talk vaguely <laughs> look at the chat right now <laughs> yeah it's, it's true it's, it's the terminator that's getting shared later coming for crossland with at seven above it that's gonna end up on instagram for sure Absolutely. <laughs> that's so good but yeah i just you know hmm, i feel like you have to invert the meme i think i'm the terminator coming for seven's shit you know what i mean like i think the meme is the other way around seven needs to be hiding from me <laughs> not the not the other way i'm not hiding i don't, from I don't know about that i don't know about that ah, you're, you're scared it. of seven <laughs> i'm not scared of seven eight nine man but it's bullshit <laughs> oh god the whites what do you think of the whites whites, i didn't know what to think of it i i was i was really intrigued by the whites the entire time Mm -hmm. because we were so locked into the idea that this is earth in a different like branching multiverse 
and mm-hmm. we don't have magic and like just that whole sort of supernatural side of things being there was intriguing for me I the entire time it. that was yeah. that was like my favorite part of the story yeah. and and the reveal like this is the only universe that anybody has ever found that has anything resembling magic i i really really liked that mm-hmm. i really liked it the gods and the magic and the whites and how they interact the with that like, like modern the boat on people fire. like yeah really really cool did not like the resolution of it all like yeah oh, you're hurting I us hated you can it. stay here but just move around every couple months what the fuck oh that that i'm okay with i i think that the real problem was the volume of people and things right so i think that's what she was alluding to being that i finished this like an hour ago that's okay. like it's just you you do suck it's not it's not fun but not nearly as bad as having 10 people walking around and staying in the same spot and building a camp and like that's way worse so we'll tolerate one as opposed just, to the rest i didn't like the yeah just I move get around it. you're, you're I welcome not I to i was i was i was fine with it i didn't i didn't really have an issue with it but i can understand because they're they, i genuinely feel like you could point to anything in the, any single individual piece of this story, and if you put five people who'd read the book in a room, half of them wouldn't have liked it yeah. because of some aspect that didn't jive with them. I think it's maybe because it rides the genre lines too close to each other and then plays with tropes on either side and therefore like doesn't – like if you don't like the trope or the thing, then you're pulled out of the – I think. I don't know. That's the closest I can get to an explanation of like – why those opinions are so divisive on something like this so i yeah i agree the way that i think i would have resolved this instead of the like yeah you're modern shit so you hurt us actively and but you're you're a small piece so move around and and things will be copacetic it'll be fine i think like Hurt yourself, get rid of all of your nanites, like deplete your nanites in any way that you can. He's already explained that it won't let you go below 5%, but if there was any way to do that and turn off all your augments, you are a natural person with no modern augments, nothing going on. You can live here without disturbance. I think that would have been a better way to go about it. Oh, definitely. I don't disagree even an iota that that would have been a much better and more satisfactory ending. I think that that does lean into the problem of like, oh, well, he'd probably just catch a disease and die or spread a bunch of diseases and kill everyone, which is why the nanites exist to begin with, which is why the story is more fun if you let it be whimsical and not take it too seriously with all the sci-fi shit to like compensate. So like the story was never given the ability to be whimsical because it tried to play too seriously with reality and that's frustrating so yeah. it it yeah anyway it, it tried I'm, to be I'm with you though both sci-fi and fantasy and kind of half-baked both yeah well and and as a part of either genre you can go absurd True. right and you could the absurd can be very funny i mean everything everywhere all at once is such a good have you seen every everything everywhere all at once i saw half of it on a plane so that's i don't fine. know if i saw I, the the official cut of it and I didn't see the whole thing. 
doesn't doesn't matter. I just need you to understand the concept and the premise of like the way that they hop because I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it. But the big concept of the whole thing is it's a, like a true multiversal movie. There's a scene where they turn into rocks. There's and like the main characters are rocks talking to each other silently. There's a scene where they have hot dogs for fingers. It went very viral. There, there are all of these different transformations that happen. But the reason that like the thing works is not because of the mechanics of and like the explanation of the mechanics of the multiverse. It works because it leaned into the absurd to tell a human story. Instead, what this was trying to do is explain the science of why you could have a multiverse and then tell a story within that framework of a hard rule system, hard world. And that does not work, Mm -hmm. at least in this execution. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Our character was a vehicle to show us this cool thing that Brandon thought up, not a human that we actually wanted to interact with and get to learn more about. A plot in the with characters in it, not the other way around. That's true. The other thing is the motivation of the antagonist. Oh my God. Worst part of the book. I hated it. I almost quit on like chapter 33 or 34 when that got revealed. I wanted to throw my phone. I was listening to it. So like I can't throw the book, but yeah, then I realized I was done because my phone's expensive. It's one thing like, yes, that's exploitable and shitty, like the, the just to to sort of bring it up for anyone that didn't finish like Ziva in the chat right now. The Holy entire reasonable. point is luck is this dimension is lucky. This dimension's really really lucky. So he's able to bring blank lottery tickets into this dimension, determine the winners, and bring them back, and like win the lottery. And the entire like core of the the horrible the like the the worst thing imaginable for this person who's already running a mafia like he's the kingpin of a mafia mm-hmm. but the worst thing imaginable is that he's more wealthy and like that he's unstoppably wealthy like yeah. just bezos level yeah right true like yes that sucks yeah. but it's not like He's the worst person imaginable and he's doing the worst thing possible in this dimension. It it just it 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 took out it took out the legs of him a little bit. We also were told that he was bad and never shown that he was bad. He never did anything. I mean, bad. he killed like one he, person? Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, yeah. Literally one and, person and in the village actively like kidnapping children and spreading wor- rumors as a means of like tricking. But we Ryan. never had any emotions tied to the children, so that doesn't matter to us intrinsically in the pl- like, you know what I mean? We care because we like what's his name, but like I you I didn't have a compelling reason to care about the children that were abducted to begin with. And we only hear about one. Which yeah, is which is the which, brother, which is recovered. Yeah, the, yeah. Like he, there's a little bit of showing that he's bad, but it's not like it's not compelling. It's not compelling. <laughs> we're we're just chasing him down because we're told that he's bad. The only other like dose of that that we kind of get is the fact that like he had to throw that boxing match, right? Like that's the only other side of it is like there's some there's some like embarrassment and shame there, but again. That just tells me corruption. That doesn't tell me really bad world-ending sort of fight. Mm-hmm. So 
I do I do want to say that like it definitely sounds like we're <laughs> we're like rant reviewing on this and I know that no one in the chat finished the book <laughs> which I definitely understand why you wouldn't because I barely did I do think the end is worth it unfortunately which is the worst thing to say because like the motivations suck but a lot of the like final chapter reveal or the final couple of chapter reveals work and like the boxing match with Quinn is incredible um it's, mm-hmm. And like I we we had been building up his ability to lie and like that's his mm-hmm. big strength. And during mm-hmm. that boxing match, he had been trying to unlock his augments for I don't know, years or mm-hmm. months or whatever it is in the real world. And like the ones with like the plating in his face specifically. So that that reveal of yeah, this dimension's lucky, so I can unlock it, and it doesn't work, but he's able to bluff them into thinking that it did. Like, that was a really cool interaction. And, mm-hmm. like, right. resolved his, or, or not resolved, but, like, it, it it brought to a head that fighter, liar, thief kind of trope that we had been building for this character over the yeah. last couple hundred pages. Still better than secret history. <laughs> yep. Okay. But you're you're totally right. I the re, you said you said liar fighter and thief and I was like oh yeah just like Kelsier and then I went he actually is kind of better written than Kelsier isn't he and then I went man secret history sucks and that was my whole train of thought <laughs> in in sequence I, I feel like that is your most controversial take you've ever spouted on this podcast. It is definitely is. I get I get a lot of hate, history. but you know, at the same time, at this point, I'm just gonna I, I'm soaking it. I, I'm bathing in your vitriol for me, not liking secret history. <laughs> I think your points are valid. Uh, yeah. I think other people's points are valid too. Like, mm-hmm. it's fair. But okay, so worst part was easily that. Second worst part, though, is the Ja reveal when she shows up out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> it is just completely unnecessary. She she was dead. It was a good it was a good thing in the back of his head that she was dead. And it like gave him some semblance of life. And then he found out that it was a bad thing and let her go. And then she appears in front of him as like some sort of double confirmation that he feels that way. And then finds out that his best friend was cheating with the and also From the, the best friend of the relationship. What the fuck? what are you doing you didn't need to include this at all and then oh no bye all right <laughs> yeah shows up disappears in a chapter <laughs> what, what? <sighs> i no. guess the good thing about that or the 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 thing that that did is it cemented the decision to stay in this dimension which i don't know if i love that but I don't think it at did, least it kind I don't of think makes it was sense. necessary. I don't think it was I, necessary I think, before that. I think I think all of this was building to a sense of like understanding himself and accepting who he was and what he could do to be better mm-hmm. and then go back, mend his relationship with his family, mend his relationship with Ryan, kind of start over Jan's again. Jan's dead. Jan's dead. Start Which is why fresh. it didn't matter. But instead, it's pen, like if I was Brandon's editor, I would I strike that out of my own writing. That's bad. I, actively, I'm so yeah. sorry. Like I, I oh, think this could God. have been a late coming of age story for John, 
Midlife crisis. Yeah. And it works. Like, go back, restart the life the way that it was, and like let that story go. But instead, it's like shitty life, start to finish. I'm unlucky. Things went wrong for me, and that just snowballed. I start to like come to understandings and like get a grip on where I went wrong. And then everything goes to shit again and fuck it. I'm living in an alternate universe for the rest of my life. Right. Which would have been fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the way it went, but that, that mm-hmm. doesn't feel satisfying. The, like, I don't know what this character arc is anymore. Right. So it, it compromises it at the last second is really my problem. Cause I was in on the idea and I was like, oh, okay, so what he's probably going to do is he's going to push Ryan through the portal. And then you get the reveal that, like, Jan was in, like, undermining the thing the whole time. And it's like, but why? Like, she didn't need, there was no no actual undermining that needed to happen. There was no service or device that I think that she filled at all. Because Ryan could just simply represent the old life. And then you don't need Jan at all. This feels like it's lacking an editorial pass, like, of someone with a strong pen of whom's like, no, no, go back fix that because that was there were too many steps back and there were so many steps forward in the last seven chapters and there were also simultaneously so many steps back yeah which is brutal i almost (laughs) fucked up a couple Mm -hmm. a couple days ago when you were rewatching the last of us Mm -hmm. and you said you teared up again at sarah Mm. And I thought you were talking about Jan and I thought you were talking about this book or jaw. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> Jan, Jan, jaw. Well, okay. <laughs> Cause it, you were, and I forgot that, that explains her name was the Jan the, instead of Sarah, <laughs> the text bubbles, the text bubbles make more sense now. Cause I don't think you replied to me after that, but I remember seeing the text bubbles pop up and then they went away and I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, this this makes a lot of meta sense now oh god also like the other the other side of that too is what does ja and ryan having a relationship in the background even matter what like what does it is the <laughs> only good thing that was going for him the only good thing in his life was this relationship. And that wasn't good now either. Fair enough. Okay. I can accept that. I don't like it. But I, I can accept that that's the reason or rationale that it's there. Hmm. But it was gone. So that's the other side. Like, it was taken mm-hmm. from him anyway. And he right. had kind of accepted that already. So, again, like yeah. that, that was the... That felt like part of the arc. That mm-hmm. felt like part Poor. of this redemption. Was yeah. letting her and, go. And then instead it gives him the easy out of just like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that because they were sleeping around behind my back. Oh, so like it wasn't even my fault. OK. All right. Sounds good. And that's that's just like <laughs> you it, sacrificed character again at the altar of plot. Do you think that's like I, I wonder if that is a personal a personally held belief by brandon this like this does get back to my redemption problem doesn't it (laughs) well no 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 but like relationships in general like yeah moving on and starting a new relationship after the death of his of his wife as an example maybe he would need some like morality changing thing to be okay with that 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't. That feels shitty. I don't know. I don't know. I, I see. I see what you're saying or what you're getting at. And I think that it is something that I would at the very least pin on a religious belief of some kind. I, I think that there's got to be some origin because it is so it is a repeated theme trope in a number of books. And I feel like it really of his and I feel like it really plays into some belief, some belief that he has. I don't know. Like because starting, it is, starting it is another present. relationship with Safawin. Yeah. There there are two characters that I can think of right now in Stormlight that fit the trope. There are three characters that I can think of in the Wheel of Time that ended up being written that way for some reason. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like you need the excuse, you need the out as opposed to just letting it be, you know, what it what it was so that you're allowed to like love it's it's like permission to go find love again and that has to be granted by some cheat or hack that invalidates the prior love right and yeah it was just so Hmm. sudden and she's there and then she's not again and it cut it, it cut everything about that relationship down at the knees yeah it undermined all of the tension that I felt. Mm-hmm. Well, and also like all of this character building for him too. Like the the problem, one of the problems with the white box genre often can be that like once everything's revealed, do we like what that whole picture looks like? And because it's sort of an inverse telling of a story, you're you know kind of kind of trapped with the end result. And like, was the unearthing of that result worth it? But I think the problem is is that it unwound the wrong details. Unlike Memento, which does a wonderful job, like setting us up to think one thing about our character and then and twisting us the other direction. And then you can really see the seeds for it as the movie unpacks a second time. If you if you watch all the way back through a second time and it rewards the rewatch. I don't think there's any reward outside of Alk or whatever her name is, the the old lady. She is the most rewarding thing on a rewatch. Or reread, I would imagine. <laughs> I am really excited to go through the illustration, though. I did. Okay. That is the one redeeming factor of this whole thing that I haven't talked at all about. I did download the Kindle version, and I did... Yeah, the cover is awful on this book, too, which is... I'm so sorry, Steve Argyle. I love all your work. I own some of your art. I do not like this cover. But I do love all of the in-book art. I love all of the in-book art. I can't wait to see what the spine looks like, too, because I'm sure it'll look great. But the in-book art that is just kind of thrown wherever inside of this was just awesome. Truly, truly very cool. Highly recommend even just flipping through the Kindle. That would be the only reason that I would ever consider keeping this book is because of the work that Steve Argyle did, because it does look really great, except for the cover. I do not like the cover. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know, man. I like the guy in the cover. It's the font, for the record. It's the font. Yeah, I had to think about it. I like most of the cover. I do not like the font. (laughs) I am excited Uh, to see it foiled. Yeah, okay. I think think it'll look pretty cool. (sighs) Like, the the Tress one looks so good. Yeah, but Tress looked really good in the pictures, too. That's true, too. too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the other thing about the cohesion of this story. Just getting back to sort of Mm -hmm. a broad overview. Like Tress, we're going through and like through this big adventure 
and mm-hmm. there's a lot of quirky characters that we meet along the way and a lot of sort of winding in and out of different parts of this world but none of it feels well enough connected like the the transitions feel very jumpy i don't know a better way to explain it than that i totally get it like it it feels as though God, I I was reading something or heard someone say this the other day or something close to this, but just talking about like the path that a character takes, the most important part is that like you shouldn't ever feel the hand of it was Greg from HTD. I think I talked about this off air with you at some point. You should never feel the hand of the author. It should feel like the character making decisions. And this felt so heavy handed to like get us. So there was, it didn't feel like transitions. It felt like, oh, here's a cool set piece that I thought up. Here's a cool set piece that I thought up. Here's a cool set piece that I thought up. Not, this is what the character would do to get to those decisions logically or rationally. Mm-hmm. And also, I think this type of storytelling is also not conducive to that, to removing the writerly hand, which is also, I think, part of the reason that I, I like it a little bit less in general as, a, as an idea, as a trope. I think it's really hard to pull off effectively. Another positive to bring up. I liked the trickery and the the showing showing off of the tricks in that in that town where Stefan's brother is recovered mm-hmm. and relying on the like super hearing to hear Sephwin talking about like what he's looking at behind the curtain and um, under the table and the, yeah, the dick joke. And, the dick yeah. joke was pretty funny, like that yeah. was a lot of the it, humor was off, but some of it was very on mm-hmm. sometimes. The yeah. that character, that that lord or whatever he was, was mm-hmm. pretty funny. Not very deep, didn't get a lot of depth for the character, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We were exposed to him briefly, and that's fine. But all of it put together just made for like similarly the the Vikings, the Viking warships that come up. Really cool. Really well done. Transitions in and out of it kind of sucked. Yeah. I loved I loved the Vikings. I loved the Middle Eastern guy that they saved. I forgot mm-hmm. his name. I, it also starts with a J, I think. J or an um, A. I, J or an A. I can't mm-hmm. remember. <laughs> Don't remember. Yeah. And again, not going to look it up. So, yeah, I, I really liked him. I thought he was a great character and an interesting lens to like show different part of the world in a in kind of a fun way fun presentation as like a someone espousing their religion and also like give us this alternate take on christianity where jesus survived the execution is very funny or like very it's a very interesting spin on the whole thing especially in a world in where there's literally magic and gods and so it also it feeds into the other side of that seed of like there being multiple correct religions in this world because of the different magics and representation through gods potentially especially in the way with the ordman where they're bringing over woden's fury you know yeah i don't know i think it all works shockingly that's the best part of the book or one of the best parts of the book mm-hmm. i think so too yeah hmm. what if what else do you want to talk about with this book <laughs> I feel like there was oh the the relationship was ultimately good if not very on the nose. It totally worked. I don't think it detracted. It didn't add that much for me. Their flirting worked, but it was surface flirting at best, which is sort of Brandon's speciality at this point as far as we've been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Steris and Wax, I think from everything we've read. 
or Seuss yeah. Braun. I'm, I'm not giving Seuss Braun enough credit. I did like the sort of arc of like, you're a charlatan to you're worse than a charlatan to you're a god to you're a normal person that's a little bit augmented. Like like mm-hmm. that sort of passion for Sefowin's understanding of him, that story worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was definitely early on in the book. One of the things that I had texted you and said, and this was, I think, right around like chapter 15 or 17 or something like that was I like every character except for our main character. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think with the exception of Jan showing up out of fucking nowhere, that stands true to reason. This book would be a rare seven if it weren't for a lot of these random bull, a lot of the random bullshit we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you think of someone you would recommend this book to? Anyone who knows nothing about Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams, I would say, hey, here's a good one. Start. This is a fine book. You might like this. And then I'd be like, it was pretty good, right? Here's a way better book. And then put <laughs> a copy of Hitchhiker's Guide in their hands. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it being fine for, for kids or for younger people, for sure. Yeah. It isn't young adults, but it does kind of have that tone. So it could work for I some people there. Be. I think it, I, I, I don't think there's anything like other than some of the violence. And even then, some of the like most of the violence is done in a way that it could be perfectly suitable for a young reader. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, it's, it's specifically, I wanted to be, like clarify, I don't think it's written with YA in mind. But it could absolutely be consumed in a YA audience, like or by a YA audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell you the truth, there there is a reason that we don't blindly agree to do books, except for when they're sponsored or something like that. When like a patron's paying for something or whatnot, and that is at the very least in part because I think I have a pretty decent filter, and so I'm not going to lead you astray. <laughs> And that's why this episode is as weird and as different as it is. And like, I don't know. Mm. It just, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think, you know, it works. It works a little bit like as, as a, as a rare occurrence, but I'd prefer not Mm -hmm. to keep this trend going. No. Yeah. That's definitely not the bag. Don't love, don't love rant reviewing. Even when we did like secret history in that regard, like I, while I did get out all my feelings, it's not, it's not necessarily like we're laughing and we're giggling about this stuff, but it's not really fun to like bash something. I never like really enjoy it, but you know what I do enjoy? I think Robert Pattinson has the best bat suit. I think that his bat suit is the coolest one. It's the cool. It's the coolest one. It's very like nice and genuinely think that, that's my favorite back Batman. Like I, I really I think it is too. Really do. Hands down. And yeah. a, a lot of people gave it some shit, but he's sad boy Batman. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. I, I, I don't know. Notes. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> like, 
What do you want from me? It's beautifully shot. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of just absolutely the 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 moment in which Arpat is standing in the window of the diner with the like fog on the one side as the like rain from outside on Gotham is just a, with a flashing red light in the background, the police lights. So good. It's mm-hmm. such a good shot. I think we're we're exposed to a lot of like he can do it all. He's this like billionaire playboy and this dark vigilante. But this is this this one showed him really shirking his duties as this like as the runner of Wayne Enterprises. Like he's completely like obsessed with the Riddler and he is pouring so much of his time and mm-hmm. like avoiding sleep and avoiding responsibility and he's just so focused on it that everything else in his life is like deteriorating and starting to fall apart i felt like that was a more realistic understanding of what this character was i I don't know i don't yeah i i totally i am so with you i i think that it is a more real version of the character and it portrays all of the like connecting and corroborating elements of Batman's life falling apart, just like the city is just like his obsession is with all of these different things. And he's totally missing it. I think that like the movie is a little bit long and it does introduce basically three plots and resolves them all incredibly well. So I, I really didn't have a problem with it necessarily, but it does, it does a lot of lifting for a single movie. Mm-hmm. It's true. In it terms really of does. getting us in and out of that. Andy circus as Alfred. Perfect casting. Yeah. Didn't think it would be. It was. It worked well. Colin Farrell as the Penguin? Are you amazing? <laughs> I didn't so expect good. it to be so good. On a rewatch, it was so good. I need to rewatch it again. I think you and I talked about doing this with Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. We, should, yeah. we, should, we should do a full episode. <laughs> we should really yeah, do a yeah. full episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to actually genuinely spoil anything for the Batman if you haven't seen it for some reason, but... It was it was genuinely when we talked about it yesterday, it was not a bit. I I was fully committed to potentially do an off the cuff episode on Batman because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about that book for any length of time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any final thoughts on this story? I know we've only been going for an hour and we tend to go longer, but I feel like we've hit most of what I want to talk about for this book. You want to know a rogue great thought that I have on this whole thing? Yeah, go for it. I think that Frugal Wizard would make an excellent movie. Yeah. I think that's that true. it has all the bones to be written by someone else and tell a better story. Mm-hmm. An adaptation so would fix this, I think, entirely. So mm-hmm. I think that it is, again, so close that I think most most screenwriters could stare at it and be like, okay... Well, we don't need that at all. <laughs> we don't need that at all. And even the way that the information is revealed in the flashes in his mind would work better in a movie format. Just like yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like straight up flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. And you could tease things better. I don't know. You could set up. You could actually set up the Chekhov's guns for the things that we need to say pay off in the end versus not doing that. There was one particularly egregious moment that was explained in post of him doing something very near the end. I don't remember what it was specifically, but there was something where it was like, Hmm. it might have even been the passcode shit where like his stuff was locked as opposed to being gone. And then like explaining the, I don't know, one of those pieces in the last couple of chapters again, rubbed me weirdly. But 
I do think it's a good overall story. It just needed a lot more tuning. And I do sh- like I scratch my head wondering if that that was a complication of this whole process of these novels and needing to get them also edited on time to get them out in a timely fashion. And ultimately, I think putting a lot more care into the Cosmere ones because that's canon. So, yeah, part of me thinks that that's this is kind of a victim that way. But. That's yeah, pure yeah, speculation. So that's brutal speculation. But yep. yeah, quality over quantity is definitely a thing I'm feeling right now from Brando on the whole. But Tress was incredible. So I'm not again, I'm not trying to bag on Brando as a as a writer in the moment. But Tress was incredible. Still think about it a lot. I think it's a great story. I was talking because we got the physical book and I'm getting all my stuff delivered to my parents house, pitched it to my stepmom and she hasn't read anything that Sanderson's done at all. And she's like, oh, I, I would totally read that. And I'm like, yeah, you would. That's why you wrote it because it's great, and you would. I, you'll really like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is just our shortest episode because I don't, I don't have anything else to say. We talked about Batman for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm it's really fine. looking forward to doing this episode. If Thomas is still down yep. for it, we we talked yep. about it a long time ago but maybe what we do is we do it in the lead up to the penguin miniseries that's coming out which is genuinely coming out i didn't that know about the trick. that yeah sweet yeah that could work do, do, do. let me just see what the release date is on that just for funsies it's scheduled to be released in max in 2024 dang it but they're done filming is what i heard regardless pretty excited that'll work yeah Yes, yes, very excited to let's okay, before before we go, let's tee up what we have coming out for short pours for the next couple of months because we haven't talked about it for a smidge. Obviously, the next secret project will be in what, September? August? Something like that. I don't know. But we'll be talking about that when it comes out. A secret project three, July. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> one of one of those dates. I don't know. So in July we'll be talking about Secret Project Three. That'll be fun. I'm pretty excited. I believe that this is the one that Brandon said is his favorite of the books. So that's exciting, I think, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I don't know. This is cool when the author thinks it's the best one, right? I think. I think so. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it is. So I'm excited for that one. And then obviously we'll be doing Secret Project 4. We've got two seasons of Castlevania yet to record. Those are going to be coming out early for patrons. Those will be slotted for public release randomly probably i'm gonna be honest those are gonna be like filler in with with months and things like that so if you want to get a get ahead on that join the patreon we have those all there and then we also have before that we have daisy jones in the six that we're going to be covering and talking about for next month in addition next month we are also going to be recording an episode for poppy war Poppy We're going to begin the Poppy War. Got so those will be going on month to month to month. Here. Yeah. Poppy War, The Dragon Republic, and Burning God by R.F. Kuang. Very excited to read those. We've had a couple of people start already. But if you want to join and get in early, those aren't going to come out. Those episodes aren't going to come out until the fall for the most part. So get in now. Come and read it. It's a fun book. I do want to give just the it is an intense story with a lot of like it. A lot of very graphic things just need to be upfront with that content warning. Definitely, if if you have sensitivities and you're okay with with looking something like that up, 
Go look it up. PJ, you can't. That's my rule for you. I'm so sorry. I'm restricting you. You're going to read it. It's fine. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. But just double check. It's it's definitely, it's a worthwhile read. There are a lot of things that go on. It's incredible. It's comprehensive. I literally can't wait to talk about it. I've actually already started the notes for it, and I haven't even reread it because there's so much history and philosophy and like ethical moral stuff that I'm really excited to get into that I had to like read a couple of other books about to talk about in this book, which mm-hmm. is fun. Wow. So yeah, also I'm very excited. Not Red God. Lightbringer. Yes. That's coming up. But that's, that's main, not, that's main, that's main stuff. Feed. Yeah. 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 Main feed. Lightbringer. And then obviously we're switching there. I feel like I had one more thing. Oh, I'm going to be recording with Adam because we promised that we were going to do this and it's been a little bit of a time frame since we we did it and I didn't put it in the calendar originally. We'd always intended to do Dead Astronauts and so we are going to read Dead Astronauts. Nice. For next month. So Awesome. Yep. Can't wait to talk about that acid trip. It's it's a thing. So, yeah. It's the game right. plan. Awesome. Cool red dope. All right. With that, we'll kind of do a, a normal outro. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. Yeah, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Despite a, despite a us like shitting on a lot of it, I I there's a lot of redeeming factors to it. And if yes. you haven't finished it, I think it's worthwhile. I think it makes a better story by the end. But if you truly don't want to, it's probably fine too. I don't regret finishing it. I did regret the idea of finishing it, though, for a while. Yeah. So be sure to check out our social media, of course, Words Whiskey Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show, gmail.com. If you want to send e- angry emails to me about how we said none of the names right or pronounced Ja or whatever, <laughs> leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. We are now starting to add some like polls and questions to the end of these since Spotify allows that for new episodes. So check those out whenever they pop up. I... I directly soliciting the feedback there so if you submit a response chance to be read on the show or chance for us to talk about it in a future episode or wrap up so using that little tool it's kind of fun so that's mm-hmm. that's there it's coming out and of course you can join the patreon to listen to most of these episodes either recorded live or released monthly ahead of time especially short ports this is kind of our at the moment bread and butter patron exclusive show combined with pj symposium those are the two yep it's been a minute. We've since been putting we've a lot of symposium. We we've been putting that. a lot of symposium content technically into short pours because of the amount of like TV and the fact that they're sponsored, and we want to get them out there for people to listen to too, as a part of the the whole the whole gig. So, yes. yeah, cool. All right. Well. All right. Oh, next month. I know that I just ran down that list, but just as a reminder, next month is going to be Daisy Jones and the Six and Dead Astronauts. So. If you're in for an acid trip or an acid trip, definitely, <laughs> definitely listen. <laughs> Musical acid trip, I guess. We can we can clarify between the two. All right. Sweet. Cool. Cool. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.